Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is an RNZ podcast. Kia ora and welcome. I'm Sonia Sly and this is an Our Changing World podcast from RNZ. And in this episode, I'm looking at the words we can or can't say and why, but also more subtly, the way we sound as Kiwis and how that's something that also changes over time. I headed out on a sunny lunchtime down Lampton Key in Wellington with a picture in my hand. But can you identify what's in the top picture? A pint of beer. Beer. I'd say that's beer. 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 Um, beer. 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 Young women in particular um, are well known as leaders of sound change. Emeritus Professor Janet Holmes is a sociolinguist from the School of Linguistics and Applied Sciences up at Victoria University in Wellington, and she's also the Associate Director of a project based around language in the workplace. Many years ago, people made a distinction between a glass of beer and a bear in the zoo. And what about the bottom? A beer. Beer. Bear. 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 <laughs> Very good. But nowadays, if you say... I saw three beers. It could be three animals or it could be three glasses of alcohol. Every word that has ear and air in it. Fear and fair, steer and stare. The whole of the sound system changed. Do you think it's more of a New Zealandism? It's very much a New Zealand feature. And that change in New Zealand was led by young women. Hang on. So if women were leading the charge in sound change... Is it because they are subconsciously or even unconsciously establishing a new identity as modern women? Or is it something else? Possibly unconsciously wanted to distinguish themselves from older people, from British people. That would be a reasonable thing to to want to be different. Young people were beginning to change. And people in Canterbury, Elizabeth Gordon, Margaret McLagan, did the same. They collected data from young people in school and they found that the young women were merging the two sounds fastest. Why and how would that happen? Very good question. Women are particularly sensitive, perhaps, to the significance of the way they sound. They're very aware of the fact that people judge them and their social and regional background by the way they sound. That's one theory, that they're tuned into sound as an interesting way of signalling their social status, their regional status, the New Zealand status and so on. But there are a lot of different features of New Zealand English that set us apart, and I'm pretty sure you'll recognise these Kiwiisms. Another one would be the sound in a word like fish, which in New Zealand sounds like fush. But in Australia, sounds fish. fish. So that's another example of something that's a distinctively New Zealand sound. Again, as far as we can tell, women tended to lead that change towards the centralisation, we call it, of the I sound towards a. Uh. 
but there's also social factors and so you always have to think do we want to distinguish ourselves from Australians do we want to distinguish ourselves from British people and that's one possible explanation I just wonder what it says about women if we look at the idea that women also like to be inclusive and to engage others Mm -hmm. how that kind of correlates to (laughs) the idea of Instigating there are change. lots of different ways in which you can do those things, though. You can do it through uh, the words you choose, through the grammatical structures you choose, like the tag question. Adding words like, doesn't it? Or isn't that right? Or what do you think of that at the end of the sentence? The New Zealand feature A, really good A, mm. which is a very distinctive New Zealand thing. Those are ways of including people. And people are more conscious of those ways of, of using language. People are not usually aware of the fact that sound change is going on. They're puzzled when you talk about it. As a sociolinguist, Janet's very interested in why sound change occurs and what drives it. So why does it happen? Internal pressure from the system itself mm. and social factors. Which social factors are important and why is a really interesting question. Is it a, a positive thing, you know, to look at women and to say, actually, we have more of an impact on society and how it moves? <laughs> I'd say, yes, it's really interesting that women lead sound change. And not in all societies, you know, there are differences in different societies. And again, context matters, which social background people come from and so on. But, yeah, I see it as something indicative of innovation and openness to novelty and to new things, a willingness to take a lead. I mean, none of these things would be conscious. But you can say, yeah, it shows that young women have an influence, however unacknowledged by most of society, on the way people speak. So when and how does our language change? And why is it that some words are simply not acceptable? For example, uh, the F word. It rhymes with luck. Nothing about the sound is offensive, but the associations are with uh, sexual activity and therefore it's, it's used negatively as an aggressive word. How do you feel about the F word? I think it's a fantastic word. If it's used quite casually, I'm not bothered, but when the tone is quite aggressive, that can put me on edge. And you say under your breath? Yeah, and it's usually to myself, and it's not directed at anyone. The F word is versatile. <laughs> Dynamic, yeah. Is it something that you've ever used in the workplace before? Yes. Yeah, yes. Yes? And where yes. do you work? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Increasingly used in middle-class office environments, that's right. People say it's totally or... It was effing awful. And they mean it was really, really awful. It's just like another adjective, another adverb. But if you got somebody new to that workplace who wasn't familiar with that way of talking, then they could well be offended and find it difficult to adjust to the workplace. And then that's their problem, really. What about the C word? Is that appropriate to use in the workplace? And can you imagine it being used in the office 10 or 20 years from now? It's not a word that I personally would use, but I've definitely heard it. I have used it, like, in social settings. I'd never use that. It's just not really seen as acceptable. Certainly never use it at work. Usually used about someone. I would have to be really strongly angry to use it. Uh, Yeah, I'm not so fond of that. Why? It's vulgar. It can be interpreted the wrong way. Well, I was reading something that my colleague Miriam Meyerhoff, a language and gender expert, 
we edited a recent handbook together, she points out that there was an attempt to reclaim spinster as a term that was an appropriate and uh, admirable term for a woman who is an independent person. That was the same sort of thing, that you take a term that's been used to denigrate women and put them down and you use it assertively to reclaim it and change people's attitudes. It's, it's a word that I love to use. Now, these are actors and a director that I interviewed for another series called Beyond Kate. I didn't use this part, but we did talk about the use of the C word. <laughs> Do you have to be extremely angry to use it? Not at all. In fact, I made a New Year's resolution to only use it in a positive way. I failed mm. quite fast, but I thought, no, this can be a positive reclaim word. It's a great word. I was a teenager in Hamilton, <coughs> so we use it as a positive term of endearment all the time. GC, yeah. you know, means a good beep. If someone helps you move house, or like if you're sick and your mate brings you soup, so you're like, oh, what a GC. <laughs> but why bring the C word into everyday language? And how will that change the way we even perceive the word? Very young women these days are deliberately using it to try and detoxify it, because the more they use it, the less power it has. Particularly if it's used in new contexts, with new associations. That's the way meanings change. So Janet reckons that even a doctor might use this in some instances. And you're talking to somebody for whom that word's going to make more sense than to use something more medical. But oh, I don't know, that's like... I'm, I'm you can't imagine that. Being, no, I just cannot. I would see it as being quite unprofessional. If a doctor's a good doctor and they know that the person they're speaking to would not be familiar with a gynaecological or a medically technical term, then it would be perfectly acceptable to use it to, to somebody who you knew would understand that word. Context is all. And also it's used in such a way, it's used like very. It's an intensifier in that context. You know. Do you believe there's any right or wrong way to use it? There's nothing inherently bad about it. But how long does it take for that kind of language mm. or our acceptance of words like the C oh, word and the F word to that's evolve? how long is a piece of string. If it's very marked, um, a word that people have a strong reaction to, it could be a very, very long time before it gets detoxified. I think of words for women that would, were used in the past to label women negatively, which over time have got detoxified, or the opposite. Whore, for example, used widely in America um, without causing lots of offence. So that would be an example where in the past, in England in particular, it would cause a lot of offence. But in America, in a new context, it's used, you know, almost like a friendly word. So words can change over time, can take a very long time, can be very quick. It depends a bit on how offensive they are or how useful they are. Uh, slang words, for example, if somebody uses a word that other people find interesting and useful it'll catch on quickly uh, the words that spread fastest are words for good and bad you know do people still use neat or wicked or uh, even older words um, smashing you know mm. fabulous I mean these are words that were popular once but now have gone out so what are the new words for that you know they pass into the vocabulary of young people really fast are, are younger around. people I mean are they always at the forefront of changing vocabulary or generally speaking looking for innovation and something new but there are reasons why we find particular words acceptable or unacceptable 
I think you know you're influenced by the way you were brought up, by um, your age group, which generation you're in, uh, by your social background, your regional background. So all of these factors will influence your attitudes to particular words. So I work for the media. How can the media go about changing the use of language to, you know, consciously step away from gendered language? Mm. I think the media has the opportunity to lead change in in this respect, provided that you are aware of what the norms are that you want to object to, then you can begin to challenge those norms yourself. If you want to introduce new words that you think are more appropriate in a particular context, media usage will certainly catch on much quicker than any other because simply exposure and, of course, people admire certain people in the media who are going to be more influential than others. For example, if you wanted to support the idea that the C word needed to be detoxified, then the use of it on the media would immediately cause a controversy and then that raises the issue for attention and discussion. I'm Sonia Sly and thanks for listening to this episode of Our Changing World. If you'd like to find out more, then head to our webpage, rnz.co.nz forward slash Our Changing World. And don't forget, you can find us as a podcast in all the usual places. Bye for now. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.